There's a spirit in our land raising up the kind of man with a burning in his heart to be free. Like the preacher man of old, he can't be bought, he can't be sold. What did they preach? They preached liberty to a people who loved their liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights granted them at the time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from bad law we will keep our people free. They called the king into accounting for his disregard of law Told their people not to yield before his threats For God established rulers to protect the rights of man And ordained government to fit into his plan To maintain his people's liberty time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God and land and say, from bad law, we will keep our people free, through the jewelry, we'll guard our liberty. Such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, expose tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from bad law, we will keep our people free, through the jury, we'll guard our liberty, liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them at the time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God not guilty we choose to acquit the state was wrong to charge him this law is not fit for a people who love their liberty for a people who will die for liberty greetings ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the voice of liberty this is rick tyler thanking you for tuning in and thanking you for your continued interest in truth. Truth, of course, is a very powerful force, to say the least. That is the understatement of the millennium. And yet, I think people forget just how powerful truth is because they get wrapped up in the temporal realm. 
matters that pertain to to that which is not timeless and eternal. We are greatly influenced as a people by the external influences that encroach upon us. And of course, the civilization that we live in is brimming over with constructs and with individuals and power structures and personalities who have learned all too well the fine and meticulous art form of manipulation, how to control and manipulate people. Of course, it begins from the very outset of one's existence, and it continues on throughout the entirety of life, obviously even up until uh, the elderly phase of one's existence, in fact, in many ways, especially at that stage of the game, because when someone is elderly and they tend to become more frail and feeble and they are also nearing the end of their earthly sojourn, they are even easier to control, to deceive and manipulate. Just like on the other end of the spectrum, children are very easy to control and manipulate. Now, the sad thing, though, is that even between childhood and elderly years, people are also exceedingly malleable and easy to manipulate. And there are very elaborate designs that have been constructed over time by the power brokers, if you will, who once again have a vested interest in controlling the masses of humanity, even, of course, within the supposedly enlightened and technologically advanced societies and civilizations, in some ways even more so amongst that category of people. Because when someone has the syndrome that we know of as cognitive dissonance, They are also easy to manipulate because they believe that they already know virtually everything that they need to know about a given subject. And of course, the advent of the internet has exacerbated this problem because now everybody with a smartphone or a laptop computer fancies themselves to be some type of paragon or expert on multitudes of subjects because they can simply go to this device and they can summons up a a snippet of information that enables them to play the role of pseudo-intellectual. Well, of course, this whole system is, is fraught with pitfalls and with very, very debilitating and destructive characteristics. And the sum total of what we are experiencing and living in the midst of today is something that is unprecedented throughout time and history. Even though we do have the biblical principle of there not being anything new under the sun, this is more of a broad and sweeping principle versus uh, dealing with a more minor specific aspects of existence. They didn't have the precise and specific technologies that we have today in ancient times, although there are evidences that 
technologies did exist in times of old that were in some ways on par, if not superior to our technologies today. And there are evidences of this that are discovered archaeologically and in the ferreting out of historical truth. But once again, we are living in a time where truth is elusive, to say the least. It comes with a price tag, sometimes an extreme price tag. And truth does not just readily manifest itself. It doesn't jump off the pages of the history book. It doesn't uh, readily appear without a diligent pursuit of it. Yes, we have to do what Paul said in the scripture. We have to prove all things, and we have to hold fast that which is good. We have to do also what Paul said relative to biblical studies when he spoke to Timothy and said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we do not base our worldview and our understanding of what is happening in the times that we're living in, uh, interpreting current events, etc., if we don't base that on a solid biblical foundation, then we will be blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine, not just theologically, but also, again, in our ability to ascertain that which is truly going on right before our very eyes in the political realm or in other uh, dimensions of our contemporary societal existence. Many people within what we will call loosely the truth movement, many people within the truth movement are prone to being led down dead-end streets. They're prone to being led down uh, rabbit holes. They're prone to being deceived and misled, all in the name of seeking after advanced knowledge and truth. You see, the purveyors of deception, they understand the psychology of someone who is questing after greater truth. They understand that that person is driven by a mix of emotions and psychological characteristics, some of which are not necessarily good. For instance, they might be driven by pride. They might embark upon their quest for truth with genuineness and sincerity, but then they realize that there is something to be gained from being perceived as as knowing more than the next guy. And so they might want to take a shortcut Uh, to try to uh, acquire more knowledge that would burnish or bolster or advance their credentials as someone who knows greater truth. And of course, also, neo-Gnosticism is something that we have to be aware of too, uh, where uh, people are uh, trying to be purveyors of secret knowledge, secret information. Hey, come listen to me. I have the inside track. There is an allure there. Uh, Many people are are willing to follow somebody that they believe has some type of special connection to sources of greater truth, greater knowledge, greater information. Of course, this is very evident in religious circles where those who purport to be modern-day prophets, those who purport uh, to have gifts, spiritual gifts that enable them to give words of knowledge, for instance. These people uh, can have a disproportionate influence among their fellow men because, once again, 
those with whom they are rubbing shoulders would like to believe that they are in close proximity to some greater degree or level of knowledge. So we have to be very circumspect and we have to be very cautious uh, as members of the truth movement, as people seeking after the acquisition of greater knowledge. We have to be very careful because once we get on that road to greater truth, then the adversary, Satan, the devil, has a much greater motivation to try to subvert us. If we are just like the uh, general unwashed masses of humanity who could care less about anything esoteric, about anything of depth, about anything that is beyond basic superficiality, if, if we break out of that mold, then we become a greater threat to the adversary, to the master strategist of the plan for globalism and the galvanization of world government and everything that goes with that. Now, those people, again, who are just simply caught up in free bread and circuses of our present era, they're no threat to Satan. In fact, they play right into his hand. They are his unwitting servants. But when you step outside of that realm and you begin to seek and pursue truth, even hardcore truth, now you become a genuine threat to the father of lies, to he who would, if possible, orchestrate a global system that would enslave every man, woman, and child and strip them of their dignity and their inalienable God-given rights. So, the adversary is busily at work putting out red herrings, false flags, deceptive maneuvers on every front to harness the energy of those who are interested in truth and divert it in an unproductive or even destructive direction. The QAnon movement is a classic uh, modern-day example of disinformation, a psyop that logic and common sense tell us has to have originated from within the intelligence community, so-called, what they are now calling the deep state, what we have long referred to as the shadow government. Many people, of course, who have discovered that there is a deep state, they don't understand the spiritual dimensions and foundations of that deep state. They don't understand Ephesians 6.12, that it is not flesh and blood that we're wrestling against, but rather the principalities and the powers and the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, those of us who understand that principle, we are able to move beyond just this surface level comprehension of the deep state. We are able to, to better comprehend how it is that a conspiracy, if you will, can transcend generations and even centuries because it is not the product of the mind of a mere mortal man. Its orchestration and its creation and its control is not beholden to mortal men with feet of clay, but rather there are these dark spiritual entities who are able to transcend 
the normal increments of time that bind man to a relatively short period of years. So all of this gets rather complicated. I realize that. And yet, in our quest for truth, we must deal with this complexity. We must deal with the juxtaposition and the dichotomy even of the complexity alongside of the simplicity. Here's the simplicity. There have to be conspiratorial phenomena taking place and transpiring within the affairs of men because this is part of sin nature. Not only that, these conspiracies have to exist as well because there is this dark spiritual power spoken of in Ephesians 6.12 that is very consciously and actively working to bring about results that are desired by that power in their own warped and twisted in-game proposition. Now, why does Satan continue in his exercise of futility? Well, it goes beyond our ability to comprehend what drives and motivates beings in this spiritual realm. But suffice it to say, Satan, of course, is destined to lose. He is destined to be eternally uh, damned and, and judged. And there is not even the slightest chance that he can prevail over the God who spoke the universe into existence. And yet, in some variation of complex insanity that exists within that dimension uh, that he inhabits, there is nevertheless some drive and motivation to press on, continued his scorched earth policy, and that's what he does. And so again, we have to comprehend and fathom and understand this complexity of this equation. Conspiracies are an inevitable reality. They are part of uh, man's sin nature being outworked, and then you have this esoteric or spiritual dimension interjected into the, into the equation. And so it does no good whatsoever to try to deny truth, period. It doesn't do any good to try to deny that there are conspiratorial phenomena. They are a very unavoidable part of life and of reality. And yet we also have the simplicity uh, factor that God is sovereign. He is in control. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without his knowledge. The very hairs of our head are numbered. Every subatomic particle is numbered. You can rest assured. And so the simplicity flip side of this equation is that no matter what Satan and his minions and the forces of evil do, they can't win. Everything will accrue to the benefit of those who are referenced in Scripture, Romans 8, 28 specifically, as being the called according to his purpose. And so, as we move forward as seekers of truth on this very arduous and difficult road of being in the truth movement, being a truth seeker, we have to constantly deal with obstacles and impediments that are sometimes just spontaneously cropping up in our pathway, but more often are the result of deliberate manipulations and machinations on the part of the forces of evil.
Now, this could become very vexing and could cause one to wring their hands and even want to pull their hair out if they did not have the proper foundation. And again, many of our people today, they do not have the proper foundation. They don't understand what it is that I'm speaking of here in this stage of our broadcast today. And so they are at a decided disadvantage. But we have to hope and pray that that they will gradually come up to speed, that through experience they will learn uh, some of the mistakes that they have been prone to and that have been a stumbling block for their predecessors as well as them. And again, the QAnon is a classic case in point today. It's very relevant. We are on the heels of some rather disastrous circumstances that were contributed to by some of the more zealous members of the Q movement on January 6th. They were quite easily duped into following provocateurs into the Capitol building and engaging in behavior that was very conducive to what is now happening concerning this ongoing Justice Department investigation into the storming of the Capitol and the insurrection, as the media is fond of calling it, that happened on that day. Every day we hear about more people who are being indicted, who are being criminally charged, who have turned themselves in to the uh, the authorities, the law enforcement uh, powers. And of course, some of them uh, might even border on having some name recognition and notoriety, uh, maybe a member of, of some type of uh, rock band or uh, a, a close relative of a, a conservative, well-known conservative media personality, et cetera, et cetera, or a, a former Olympic gold medal winner. And the media, of course, loves to focus on those who have some higher profile of, of notoriety or recognition because that just feeds into this narrative that that this very insidious and this very diabolical and this very, very uh, deadly and, and terrible event that happened on January 6th is turning out to be even more than we realized, uh, having even roped in people of some level of celebrity or notoriety. And of course, the media loves playing these games, these psychological manipulation games with the public. Now, it's sad and unfortunate that people can't just simply tune the controlled partisan media out. That would be the best thing to do. Because if nobody were listening to them, it would vastly weaken their power. The fact that that people are in some ways, in a morbid sense, addicted to the incessant stream of disinformation that emanates from this reprehensible source is in and of itself, it's a guarantee that they will continue to hold sway and power in the world around us. But we have to work around all of these obstacles. Now, just for the record, for someone who has been in the trenches long enough, they might remember that back in the 90s, there was something similar to the Q movement, minus the the sophisticated internet. And it was called Cosmos back then. And it was the same exact narrative, the same storyline. There were white hats. There were good guys on the inside of the intelligence community. Uh, I've mentioned this on previous uh, broadcasts. They were 
uh, traveling around the country in, with they had semis with mainframe computers and they were amassing all of this evidence and information and they were going to swoop down on the bad guys within the government and these two factions were going to square off and the good guys, the white hats, were going to easily prevail over the bad guys because they had been laying this sophisticated trap uh, for a, a great deal of time and they had left no stone unturned and at any time, the hammer was going to drop. They were going to swoop down. And of course, it never happened because it was all part of the same PSYOP that Q today is a part of, and doubtlessly it will continue into the future. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Satan knows that he's got a winner with this method because, again, it appeals to what I was speaking of earlier, this desire on the part of people to feel like they have an inside track. They have this inside information. Well, of course, those who are, who are really the most avid truth seekers realize that the ultimate foundation for all truth and the ultimate prism through which to filter information, to discern and ascertain what is true and what is false, is the Word of God, the timeless and eternal immutable, inerrant Word of God. If we are founded and based and, and stabilized on the Word of God, then we literally, we cannot be deceived as long as we are in that upright posture. Now, it is inherent within man's sin nature to always be susceptible to deception. And of course, pride goes before destruction. When people become puffed up by knowledge, and the Bible tells, tells us that knowledge puffeth up. When people become puffed up by knowledge, then pride creeps in, and, and that opens a door of possible subversion. So the answer, of course, is eternal vigilance. Just like in our political existence, dealing with the rogue elements of government that are devouring our liberties and seeking to put us under a police state, in dealing with them, we have to have eternal vigilance. The Founding Fathers told us that. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty, we were told. But it also is mandatory when it comes to dealing with these spiritual forces and powers that want to trip us up and subvert us in other ways beyond just the mere political spectrum. Eternal vigilance. We must be ceaselessly vigilant in order to be able to detect aberrations, and in order to be able to avoid falling into the traditional snares and pitfalls that have constituted the undoing of our people throughout a time in history. Well, we, of course, we have a lot of shortcomings in our frail humanity. We have the weakness of the flesh. Uh, we have the, the fact that we are all Unfortunately, we are all uh, the continuing victims of our sin nature. And so the Bible says, Let any man who stand taketh heed lest he fall. It is within the ability of all of us to succumb to pride and lust and other pitfalls that historically have taken down greater men than any of us today. So again, let us be mindful of this, ever vigilant, as we carefully move forward in our quest to mount meaningful resistance 
to the evil forces that avidly seek after our enslavement and our destruction. In the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, we read a very interesting account. We read, beginning in verse 21, it says, And when they heard, and when they heard that, and when they heard that they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught, but the high priest came, and they that were with him and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them where unto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. Now, what we have going on here in this fifth chapter of Acts, we have God miraculously intervening, effecting the emancipation of his people from literal incarceration and bondage. And then we have another interesting phenomenon on the part of officialdom, which is the recognition that, hey, there's a power at work here. We better tread softly. We better be careful because the people might stone us if we don't handle these these individuals and this situation with extreme caution. And so that's what's going on. And, of course, it goes on and it says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, of course, is a very, very pivotal and critical verse because it is in verse 29 that we read, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. Whenever you encounter somebody wanting to teach a false doctrine relative to Romans 13, i.e. that you are to be the sloven, uh, bowing down, licking the boots of the tyrants type, subservient, a docile uh, underling of those who happen to wield some status of authority in the realm of government. This Romans 13 teaching, which of course is prevalent in the modern church, but utterly and totally false. When someone tries to confront you with that, just refer them to Acts chapter 5, verse 29, which is very unambiguous and very straightforward and very succinct. We ought to obey God rather than man. What could be more simple than that? And of course, these types of moments of decision uh, crop up very often in the modern scheme of things. We have to be 
uh, ceaselessly vigilant once again for all of the encroachments upon our God-ordained liberties, and we have to be ready to respond with this Acts 5.29 principle when it comes down to a conflict between the law of God or the truth of God and man's false, usurpatious edicts. There really cannot be any equivocation. We ought to obey God rather than man. Verse 30 goes on to say, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. In other words, these profound, biting words of truth cut these evildoers to the quick. And their impulse, their reflexive response was to want to kill the messenger. But then in verse 34, it says, Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourself what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. So Gamaliel cites a case history here of this man named Thutis. Then he goes on and says, And after this man rose up Judas in Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew many much away, much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Another case history. Judas of Galilee in the, time of the, in the days of the taxing. Verse 38, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So you see that the edict of the council had no effect. They continued to obey God rather than men. But we also see in this account that Gamaliel was used by God to underscore a profound point. If it be of God, you can't stop it. And if it's not, you don't have anything to worry about because it will stop itself. It will not go very far beyond the starting gate. This Gamaliel principle, of course, was effective in terms of causing the, the zeal of these would-be murderers and tormentors to abate enough to where all they did was just simply administer a beating, but they refrained from 
seeking the ultimate punishment against the apostles, namely killing them. And of course, nevertheless, the apostles counted it joy to be worthy of suffering for the name of their Messiah, their Savior. Now, there's much within this portion of this chapter that we've read that that is very relevant and pertinent to our circumstances today. Of course, the obvious, we ought to obey God rather than man, Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But beyond that, there is the reality that if something is ordained by God Almighty, if something is orchestrated by His power, by His will, it cannot be stopped. And the forces of evil, you can rest assured, they are familiar with this principle. They know good and well that there, in fact, are people who are part of the the cumulative and collective quest for justice and liberty and truth in this world today. They know there are people among the ranks of that that legion, that army of truth seekers, members of the truth movement. They know that there are people among them who, who have a special protective anointing from God. And how do they know this? Well, doubtlessly, they know this because they're privy to the secret intel, the clandestine information, the metadata that we have found out about in recent years. They are privy to information that the average American isn't. They know of case histories where where they have gone after people, individuals, in their customary fashion, seeking to make an example of them or persecute them or do them in in some way, maybe even kill them, and they come up empty-handed, much like the authorities did, of course, when they were dispatched uh, to apprehend our Messiah, and they come up empty-handed. Miraculously, God can deliver any of his servants from the hand of the enemy. Psalm 91, which we have read on this broadcast, of course, is very, very powerful and instructive in this regard. Our God is capable of putting a hedge of protection around us that is sufficient to prevent the enemy from being able to thwart the mission that we have been given by the God of Scripture. And so it's vital that we understand this principle, this Gamaliel principle. If something is not of God, it will come to naught. But if it is, it cannot be stopped. And, of course, we should be geared toward and oriented toward being a part of that which is ordained and appointed and inspired and protected and empowered by Almighty God because that's the ultimate ticket to victory. Now, very often when God unleashes his miraculous power, it is for the purpose of causing the exceedingly unlikely results to transpire from what seems to otherwise be a dire, calamitous set of circumstances. How often in Scripture do we find that God, He infuses His miraculous power through His servants to enable them to prevail over vastly superior 
enemy forces. This happens quite frequently. We have many accounts in the scripture that dovetail with this principle. And so this is the way God works. And often it seems irrational and unlikely to those who might be observing the prelude to what is going to happen, namely the victory that God is going to enable his servants to achieve and experience. You know, when Gideon told two-thirds of the men who had shown up to potentially fight the Midianites, when he told two-thirds of them just to go home because they were fearful, they didn't want to be there, and he, he culled the number by two-thirds right on the spot, many might have shaken their heads and wondered, is this wise to give up this very, very significant chunk of manpower? And then when Gideon went to the next step of testing the 10,000 that remained and weeding out and rooting out the vast majority of them even, all but 300, because they failed a simple litmus test, in the way they uh, took a drink of water, this would have truly seemed irrational to winnow the numbers down to a mere 300? How in the world could they possibly hope to succeed when being so overwhelmingly and vastly outnumbered? And yet that was precisely God's will. And we know the rest of the story. We know how against all odds and doubtlessly against the naysaying of many observers at that time, we know how Gideon was able to prevail in his service of his great and mighty God. So this is typical of truth in the word of God. And of course, we need to make application of it today. Now, very often, people among the ranks of the truth movement, they seek to emulate the enemy that they are fighting against. They want to set up systems and organizations and modalities that they can work through that very closely track or, or mirror or replicate the systems of the enemy. And this, of course, is not God's way. God's way is to multiply the fishes and the loaves to feed the multitude. God's way is to take the widow's might and use it mightily. God's way is to work through the most unlikely candidates such as David, the one son of Jesse who would be the most unlikely to be ordained and anointed by God to become the king, the man who would be after God's own heart and would find continual favor with the God of Scripture. Yes, these are the ways of the God that we serve, and we must very, very fully and readily understand this as we move forward because we are, make no mistake about it, we are facing a death sentence. We are facing circumstances that are designed to eradicate us from the face of the earth. We are facing nefarious conditions and circumstances that are, that are being very craftily developed and, and rolled out and implemented in our midst, the design of which is to utterly and completely gut the last remaining vestiges 
of the rule of law and the constitutional system of governance that our forefathers tirelessly and indefatigably gave and presented to us as an inheritance. Yes, I can't overstate the severity of the circumstances that we are staring in the face, and we must not blink. We must be able, by the grace of God Almighty, to move forward with courage, with strength, with integrity, and with spiritual discernment and understanding and a sensitivity to the leading of the Spirit of God. It is a fact that no weapon that is formed against the servants of the living God will prosper. This is a scriptural truth that is given to us by the prophet Isaiah. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Now, there are going to be many weapons formed and forged against us. They are being formed against us right now as we speak, and they will continue to be, and they will escalate. They will increase. They will grow and abound to the point of being overwhelming, and yet none will prosper. That is the promise of the Word of God. And we have to know that, understand that, and believe that. We must have faith in that principle because this will be the means whereby God will deliver us from the hand of his enemies and our enemies. Now, we can talk in vague, abstract terms till the cows come home, but the point in time arrives where where we have to begin to translate that which is more abstract into nuts and bolts reality. We have to have a manifesto. We have to have a blueprint, just like a building has to have an architectural blueprint. We have to have a blueprint. Now, we've got a basic blueprint in the Word of God, but I'm talking about uh, more of a, a specific blueprint that is geared specifically and very intricately to the circumstances that we face right now relative to the the threat to destroy us and eradicate us from the, the face of the earth. We know that things are happening on so many fronts that they can't even be thoroughly and, and effectively tabulated. Things are happening that are being marshaled against us. Everything from a potential famine, economic implosion, the unleashing of deadly pathogens and diseases, the continuous development of the police state, the uh, toxicity that is being infused into foods and water and air uh, that people eat and breathe and, and uh, breathe. Yes, we are being besieged 360 degrees around us, the chemtrails over our heads in the atmosphere, being discharged, uh, filtering and, and trickling down to the surface of our planet. All of this is happening. And, of course, it is in many ways designed to take the wind out of our sails, to make us feel helpless and hopeless and minuscule. 
But we know that in the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, that the scripture instructs us that essentially we are unconquerable. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, it says, moving into verse 29, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Rhetorical question there. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Through him, that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, that says it all, does it not? Of course, it's not enough just to to latch on to and lay hold of, of these sublime and lofty words. Again, we must have a blueprint. We must have a manifesto. What are we going to do with this incredible, stupendous knowledge and truth and information? How are we going to proceed against the citadels of evil, against the bastions of wickedness, against the very gates of hell? Which, by the way, remember we are told that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. How will we move forward? We must get down to brass tacks. We must get down to the nitty-gritty. We must get down to even the minutia of planning and strategizing as to how God would, would have us to proceed in our quest to take dominion and to subdue the kingdoms of darkness who illicitly and wickedly and immorally hold the power that they have usurpatiously latched onto. Before closing the broadcast and, and finalizing, I want to give you information, as we customarily do, as to how you can communicate with us. You can write to us at P.O. Box 274, Post Office Box 274, E-T-O-W-A-H, Tennessee, 37331. Or you can call us at 423-241-7902. Or you can email us at voiceofliberty1776 at gmail.com. That's voiceofliberty1776, the numbers, 1776, at 
gmail.com. So please get in touch if you so desire. If you if you feel like you would like to possibly know more about, not only know more about, but possibly even become involved in potential future undertakings and endeavors to translate the lofty principles of scriptural truth into reality in the here and now. Yes, God's word is, is a record, a historical record of people doing that very thing. Imagine, again, the excitement, the thrill of walking on the cutting edge in the time we are living in of the application of truth so that some of these spine-tingling type accounts that we read of in Scripture, we could actually experience something similar to that in the time that we're living in. Remember, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember Malachi, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. All of the scripture, all of the truth, all of the, the momentous accounts, they are for our learning, for our understanding, but also for our inspiration. And again, we are more than conquerors. We have an inheritance, but we have to be ready and willing to fight for it. We have to be ready to lay hold of it, to not allow it to be forcefully or surreptitiously stolen from us. And God forbid, we must not forsake or even sell our birthright like Esau. To do so would be unconscionable. To do so would be utterly untenable and reprehensible. So let us walk circumspectly as we move into that futuristic time frame that is fraught with dangers, toils, and snares, but also with unprecedented opportunity to achieve aspirations that are in keeping with the words of our Messiah when he told his followers that, that they would do greater things than him even when he spoke of the faith of the mustard seed and the ability to move mountains. Now, of course, that can be figuratively uh, interpreted as well as literally. God is without limit. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is exceedingly capable and abundant of giving his people, his servants, the power in this world to subjugate the bastions of wickedness and evil. But we must, again, be willing to roll our sleeves up and make application in the real world, the nuts and bolts world that we're living in. We must be willing and able to make application of the lofty and sublime truths and principles that he is inculcating into us, we must be able to make application of them so that we can ride the high places of the earth. Now, do you have faith? Do we have faith? Are we so compromised and bogged down by the external surrounding forces 
that besiege us that we simply will not rise to the occasion. This is what remains to be seen. The remnant of God, of course, is being called. You can rest assured of that. And in exceptional times of danger and evil, we can be sure that God will equip and enable us to come forth with an exceptional response relative to our standing upon the timeless and eternal truths that have been granted and given to us. And if we pursue this unequivocal, unwavering course of direction, then we can readily and rightfully expect results of a momentous caliber in nature. I look forward to getting into greater specificity concerning a blueprint, a manifesto, a game plan, if you will. I look forward to sharing that with those who listen live or uh, listen through an archived message. I look forward to sharing this information, this vision, this game plan, this manifesto, this blueprint for action, because to just simply sit back and analyze the evil deeds of the enemy will not suffice to bring forth the victory. We cannot just simply be tabulators of and commentators on all of the horrific achievements of our enemies. We must become proactive. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense. We must take the fight to the enemy. And I'm not speaking of physical warfare because we are hopelessly outmanned, outgunned, outfinanced. I'm not speaking of that, but I'm speaking rather of the wielding of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Our God has the ability to tie our enemies in knots. He has the ability to confound their minds, to actually make them turn on each other and wreak havoc and death and destruction on each other, as God did in the case of Jehoshaphat. Yes, we have so much to learn, but at the same time, we are clearly at the, the stage of development of the plan and the circumstances that God would have us to follow. We are at the, the point where we must step into the arena in a more profound and meaningful way and begin to take definitive steps towards the establishment of a protocol and a set of circumstances that could turn the tide in many ways. Like Gamaliel said, again, citing those case histories, they were not of God and they came to naught. But he pointed out that if it is of God, and, and he was readily acknowledging and they were believing that it is possible that something could be of God, of a stupendous nature, it can't be stopped. Folks, we look forward to hearing from you and look forward to being with you again tomorrow. Until then, this is Rick Tyler saying, may God bless and protect you and goodbye. We need such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, expose tyranny, and teach his people liberty.
exercise of the God-given right, right to bend at the time of their birth.